Hey kids, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Booze. I'm your host, Jax, and today we have my very first celebrity interview. This is quite the feature, and I'm super excited to introduce Chris Mulkey to Here for the Booze. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. This is amazing that you're available to do this. Well, it was great to meet you at the uh, at the Fear Fest in Raleigh. That was great. Yeah, that was a that's a funny story that we can we can definitely share. I I did. I met Chris Memorial Day weekend at that convention and it was definitely an experience, you know, that I'll never forget. The whole convention and then you coming up and, you know, it's just it was amazing. It was just perfect timing. There were so many people that came to my table for autographs and and they brought stuff too from Twin Peaks or boxes of First Blood, you know, uh the Rambo box, video boxes. Yep. Yeah, um, and it was it was a great great event, and uh, boy, my hand is still sore from signing. I know. I was. I felt like the capacity of the convention. I was surprised there wasn't more people, but I think it was a lot of people coming and going. You know what I mean? Whereas, like, we hung out for a while. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm glad that you guys were all busy and it was worth it. You know what I mean? I'm really glad. Well, the layout was great because it, it was a, it was in this huge uh, sort of um, stadium, whatever whatever it was, and so people weren't on top of each other. I've been at these things when the venue is very small, and so the room is just jam cram packed with people, and you know it's you know a lot of aftershave conflicts with a lot of other aftershaves, and you know and by the end of the day, you just you know kind of want to go have like a cup of coffee and relax but that this was really nice so yeah I felt like the energy of the convention was really great too you know I just I felt like there was way more guests you know celebrity guests than I thought you know what I mean because I was kind of going for a few specific people and then I didn't pay attention to the guest list and then I'm like wow there was so many you know when I was at the Monster Expo in Taunton it was just Tyler Maine that was there. So that was crazy. It was cool that I got to meet him, but I was like, wow, just one. All right. You know, not too far from me, but the, you know, I'm really glad that, uh, that you had, you know, a great time and hopefully your travels were okay. Yeah. Everything was really super smooth. It was just, it was butter. It was butter, Jax. So I'm going <laughs> back to Raleigh, um, on August 25th to do a concert actually in Durham. Oh, at, uh, Duke university. Uh, it's going to be a singer-songwriter uh, forum. I think there are going to be six of us. That uh, John Dunlap, who was a producer for Bruce Springsteen, among other people, um, is going to have myself um, and uh, a couple of Grammy winners. Um, That's amazing. Include me. I don't have a Grammy. I, don't, I mean, I, I'd take one. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, sure. So I'm going back to Carolina to that. But then, and then, then I'm going to drive straight through Boston, past Boston University, my alma mater, yeah. and still straight up to my daughter's place in Biddeford, Maine, and mm. and look at the uh, leaves turn. I was going to say that's that's definitely a good plan. It's always nice to head up east, you know, in the northeast for the fall time because it's it's definitely really pretty. I will say it's one thing that keeps me from leaving New England. <laughs> oh God! Well, in the meantime, I'm going to go to uh, Vancouver, Canada, and continue Ooh. work on the Amazon show that comes out in October called The Power. It's oh. From the book, The Power. And it's oh. Female. Is this a new show? What's that? Is this a new show? 
a new television series. Oh, great. That's amazing. All right. Well, I'll have to be on the lookout for that. But on the subject of your music, you know, what got you into, into, you know, not even just playing, but like recording and, and doing all of that on, you know, as well as acting. I fell in love with music really at an early age. I, I lived in uh, Northwestern um, Iowa, <coughs> excuse me. And, um, there was one radio station, KCID, and they played um, kind of a mixture of what we would call country and western, On the Wings of a Snow White Dove, and then they would play some Elvis Presley and some rock and roll, and um, and I just loved the music. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, I went to see, I think I went, we used to have what they call mixers. I went to Catholic school, and yeah. mixers would be that the because I went to all boys school, so a girls school, we they would come over and we'd have a mixer, so we mix, you know, mix and we dance. Yeah. And they had live bands, and that just flipped me over the edge. And so uh, from that, I wanted to play guitar, and I did. And then I joined bands and and went along. And but then I I did a movie that Christopher Columbus directed called um, called Heartbreak Hotel. Yep. And on it, I met an musician in Austin, Jerry Jeff Walker, who wrote Mr. Bojangles. Yep. And we hit it off and I went to his house and, and I played him some, some of my songs and he said, boy, you should get serious about your songwriting. And I said, okay, I will. And so Jerry kind of went, come on, Chris, get out of the nest and fly. So I did. And, uh, That's amazing. And I've sold That's... about 40, 40 uh, songs to uh, movies and television. I have eight albums. And uh, you can get them on Spotify and listen to them or YouTube. Yeah, it's that's so awesome. Deluxe. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. No, that's great. So do you, so you're playing, how often do you tour and, you know, play at other venues? I'm very careful, Jax, that I don't conflict yeah. a shooting gig with a music gig. Uh, tonight sure. I'm playing in Seal Beach, California, if you want to come down. Jump on a plane right now. (laughs) Yeah, you might get there for the third set. I'll I'll leave two two tickets at the door, regardless. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. um, So we're gonna do that. Where I'm playing at King Neptune's, which is a legendary rock and roll blues joint. I'm pretty much uh, Texas Jump and Louisiana Blues, and I play in Louisiana a bunch. I just uh, played in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and in. where else was I? Oh, I was St. Augustine, Florida at the Murray Brothers uh, Caddyshack event. And... That's a beautiful, St. Augustine is beautiful. Oh, my yes. parents, yeah, my parents, they live in a different part of Florida, but they drive up to St. Augustine a lot. And it's just, it's just so pretty. Oh, it's just man. so cool. Yeah. So, so I, I just keep playing. I, I'll play, I play only in Duluth, Minnesota oh. um, on July 7th. Oh, Okay. And then from there, I go to uh, Vancouver and do the gig and yep. then come back and then, then go out to Raleigh and do that other gig. So, you know, I'm, I'm careful about not conflicting things. I've done it. It happened yeah. once, but I was able to have someone cover for me. But got to be careful. No, sure. I totally, you know, I totally get you. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. So you started playing guitar when you were in high school. Is that what you said? Yeah, like eight, like I was 18 senior in high school. Awesome. And I was like. Trying to figure out self-taught, you know. That's awesome. But I also played harmonica. Oh. And, uh, and so um, I had a, there were a lot of um, blues clubs. And so I would, 
I knew guys in blues band, older guys, guys who were like, like 25 or 30. Yeah, yeah. Old guys, you know. And they said, um, they said, come and play. So I, I played with uh, Bobby Lyle and Willie Weeks, who went on to play bass for the Rolling Stones. Yeah. In St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, so I was a, har- a harmonica player. And uh, I sort of learned my band chops in real clubs, not teen dances, but real clubs from that. Yep. You know, there's two rules, Jax. Don't play over the singer singing. And when the leader of the band gives you the look to stop, and I'll give it to you right now. <laughs> That's the stop. look. <laughs> That's a good one. They, they call that the look, the multi. Yeah, yeah. Look. Love it. You know perfect. I mean? Here we go. No, that's <laughs> that's perfect. I feel like that's all you need is just a little signal because you don't want to make it obvious to everybody. No. You know what I mean? Well, the, I, the audience. Yeah, yeah. But I also have another entity um, that you can get on Spotify and YouTube, and his name is Vic Mulkey. Oh, okay. Blue Veins. I think Vic, I saw that. Yeah. Vic Mulkey is um, blues with the Christmas theme, and we've done five. I've done that with Chris Klein, who's a great, uh, wonderful. Oh person. wow! And so well, but he's the Reverend, and I'm I'm Vic, because I, I was doing a movie that, when we started the group, and my character was Vic, and he liked that. So, and we had two Chris's, so it was like forget about it. So he's Rev because he revs it up, not because he's a Reverend. He's he's a sinner, <laughs> Jax. He's a sinner. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't let the nick. Don't let the nickname fool you. <laughs> but he wrote probably maybe. Um, he wrote maybe the best Christmas blues song called Spank Me Santa. I don't deserve no Christmas stuff. Spank Me Santa and make it rough. I'm sorry. you know. Wrote, Is that wrote, on Spotify? <laughs> but I wrote Christmas. He thinks I wrote the best song because I wrote Christmas Time in Hades. Oh. Well, it's Christmas you. Time in Hades. All the poor souls want to get out. The devil cracks his whip, sings the Yuletide blues, and all the sinners jump and shout, Jingle Bills, Jingle Bills, Jingle <laughs> Bill all the way. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a mutual admiration society. No, no, no. That's really awesome. That's really awesome that within Hollywood, you've found some of that. You know what I mean? And made connections through that. You know, who else? do you Have you played with anybody else that, you know that you actually haven't even really worked with as an actor, maybe? Yeah, I, I played with Branford Marsalis. Yeah. I played with, um, I played with, from the Eagles. Don yeah. Holden, I played with him. Jeez, um, I played with a lot of people, yeah. That's awesome. That's really cool. Now, do you like, you know, do you like the thrill of the live part of music? Is that really what draws you? I mean, obviously you like to write and stuff like that, but but, you know, performing live is is really great. Yeah. Performing live is great. Whether it's in a smaller club, like tonight, there'll be like maybe 50 people or a hundred people. I've never played here before. So I'll call you and I'll let you know what the gig is. Yeah. And, um, or, you know, we've played in venues, like we did the uh, music city festival for the 4th of July in Nashville. And we played in front of, I don't know what probably like 15,000 people. Wow. And uh, did the Celebrate America uh, Festival out here in Santa Monica, and it's with ten thousand people, you know. And That's then, awesome. But I have this other gig, Jax. I uh, my my friend uh, John Schwartz, who was a longtime friend of mine and a wonderful writer, he wrote um, the first kind of faux scary documentaries called Faces of Death. 
feel like I've know that. Yeah, feel like I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. So he so he got early Alzheimer's, like really early, oh. and so he was in a convalescent home. And he said, he called me Malk. He said, Malk, I can book you in here. And I said, okay, Johnny. Well, come on, I'll, I'll come and play. I'll bring my my fiddle player. I'll bring my drummer. And yeah. so for the last eight years, about every three months. Howard Seltzman will call up, Chris, can you come? Will you play? I said, absolutely, if I'm in town, right? So I go up there and we have um, about 15 people in wheelchairs, um, you know, uh, we're, you know, in uh, Alzheimer's, uh, you know, care or some yeah. people who are just there, uh, post-surgical care. And, um, and we play there. Um, that was great. I, I think I played, I think I'm due. I think I'm due to go. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. I think that that's really, that's really great. That's, mm-hmm. that's really admirable. All right. So we can talk about your acting career. You know, I, I feel like I saw you, you, you mentioned you were in over a hundred movies or credited roles, which is incredible. But I think I saw that it was like more than that. It was more like, oh, like a hundred like 30 or 60 or something. It was huge number like that's amazing who's counting my agent is counting absolutely yeah is that really that many Uh, but yeah it was like straight up straight up movies and then there's like i think there's like 300 and uh oh she's going for the stats i know i was like I, i wrote it down um Oh, maybe I just wrote over a hundred. Well, because I was like, I don't know how accurate the inter- internet is, and I wasn't about to like count every single one because that. Well, because I also yeah. wasn't sure if some wouldn't be listed. Like, I feel like sometimes you can't trust the internet. You know what I mean? But you, you know, you mentioned that you were in Rambo. Like, to be honest, I've never seen Rambo, but well, it's a good movie. It's a good. What was that? What I want. What I, I went to vote the other day. Always vote, everybody. Always yeah. vote. So I yes. went to vote the other day, and as I was walking out, this young man came up to me and bless you, and said, "and said, Chris, I just watched. I, I, you don't know me, but I just watched you, and I saw your death scene. I shouldn't give it away in a movie called Time Rider. Okay, and it's a sci-fi. Oh, okay. <laughs> excuse me, a sci-fi movie I did a long time ago. It's a western uh, with uh, the late Fred Ward and Linda mm. Bauer and." LQ Jones and myself, and it's just a great movie. So I went, I came, I went home. It's what's great about the internet, and you know, because I have a giant smart TV. Heck yeah! And, uh, so I just went, ah, Time Rider. Bing, it comes up. I watched it, and uh, it's really cool. So uh, that was. That was yeah. Do you watch a lot of your your performances? No, I'll go to the premiere and okay. then. If I'm doing a TV series, of course I'll watch I watch the show for that week, you know, because you know, that's the deal. Um, yeah. I had a I had a there's a series that's playing now on CBS Stars again, and it keeps playing um, about race relations in the South called okay. Any Day Now. Oh, okay. Uh, Annie Potts from Ghostbusters, and she also has a, a hit series now called Sheldon. Yes. Um, and she and I played husband and wife in Birmingham, Alabama. And our good friend is Renee Toussaint, the actress from yes. uh, Orange is the New Black. And um, it's a great show. We did four years of that. And that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things. Oh, really? 
And when was that? When did that show come out? Oh man, a long time ago, like like maybe like uh, 20 years ago. Oh wow. Okay. It's called called Any Day Now. I will hear you say goodbye, my love, and I'll be on the way. That's, I'll have to, yeah, I feel like there's so many forgotten shows, you know what I mean, that just aren't streamed enough or remembered enough, you know what I mean, and they just they slip away, and it's it's so much, I, I find it so fun to revisit, you know, forgotten shows. I keep getting nailed for um, Twin Peaks, the, yep. first, the first, first two seasons back in the day. Yep. Twin Peaks, Rambo, a sci-fi movie that I did called The Hidden which is a really cool movie, The Hidden. Okay. Um, and then, and it was a little bit like a movie I did later called Cloverfield. Yes. And I'm in that. So those two movies are kind of, in, in, a, in a, they're kind of synchronous in a way. Sure. And, and I get nailed for that. And also Captain Phillips yep. with Tom Hanks and a great movie about our, our, may she rest in peace, our great Supreme Court Justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it was a biopic called On the Basis of Sex. Yep. And uh, that, was, that was really, I was really happy to be a part of that. That's but then awesome. there's also Whiplash about the drummer. Did you yes. see that movie? Yeah, I, I did see that. I did. Yeah, so that was, was fun. So I just that was really good. Lot. Yeah, no, that was, that was really great. Yeah, there's man. been a lot of, you know, surprising, you know, I'm not a big, you know, biopic kind of, you know, movie watcher a lot of the time, but I am very interested to watch the new Elvis movie. You know, I'm very interested to see, um, what's his, that, I can't think of his name, but that actor's, you know, portrayal of Elvis. And cause when I guess comes, he like, when it comes out, you'll know his name. I know I, I, it's literally on the tip of my tongue and it's because one of my customer's name is so close to it. And I don't want to say my customer's name cause I, that's not it. And now I can't think of the kid's name, but he's not a kid, but I think he was on Disney. I think that's how we started or, or definitely a kid's show. Um, I've done no, two. I'm excited, but he was like hospitalized like the day after filming. Wow. Cause it was that strenuous. I don't know. I mean, we'll see the performance obviously, but. He's I'm interested probably, in that one. He probably threw his hips out doing the Elvis stuff. Baby, I've done, so I've done two <laughs> Elvis movies. I did, oh, yeah. I did Heartbreak Hotel, yep. which, is, which is the story that Chris Columbus did, which yes. is a, the story of Elvis when he disappeared for three days and nobody could find him. It's called <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel. It's really good. And also, I did a movie that came out few years ago called the identical and it's about elvis's secret twin brother and his journey it's called the identical and huh. this guy jacks he looks exactly like elvis oh yeah i mean he just nailed it and i'm gonna see whether you know so if you watch the that the new elvis movie whatever it is yep. watch identical yeah and um and you tell, call me and tell me. Uh, no, definitely. Because I don't even know if I've heard of Identical. I've heard of Heartbreak Hotel, but I don't yeah. think I've. Yeah. Well, hmm. it didn't get picked up by a studio thing. So it was, it was kind of, you know, many, many Writing movies. Elvis, yeah. If you look at, like, if you look at Tom Hanks, who is a, a multiple Academy Award winner. Okay. Yeah. And you go on his IMDb thing and you, and you look at the movies he's done and it goes, Hit, 
Nah, nah, what? Huh? What? Shit. Nah, what? what? It's amazing. I know, yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy, like, even when you're re-watching older movies, that's one of my favorite things is watching, like, I watched My Boyfriend's Back, which was from, like, 92 or 3, and, like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, and you're like, wait, what? And then, like, Matt, I think it's Matt Fox, and he's so young, it's before Party of Five, you know, and you're like, whoa, and there was a, there's somebody else in it, too, and you're just, oh, Matthew McConaughey's in it, like, really quick. It's crazy, and there's other, there was another movie that I discovered where there's just like connections like in silver bullet the mm. sister of Corey Haim um in the story it's her name's megan follows but she's a canadian actress who was anne of green gables in the i call it the pbs version of it well, that i cool. used to watch growing up and yeah, I mean, I, you know it's just like yeah. little connections like that like nothing to do with horror but she's in one of my favorite werewolf movies but she's also in like a childhood favorite you know I did a I did a werewolf movie too. I yes, did a werewolf movie. Werewolves at the door, right? Oh, wolves at the door. That's about oh, wolves at the door. Murders. Oh, right. That's not about That's werewolves. A creepy movie. Oh, I was thinking about werewolves within, and you're not in that. But I was switching no. those those titles. Full Moon, Full Moon Rising, which was a small werewolf movie, and yep. then I did Walking Dead: The Collapse, which is a which is a which is a zombie movie that you can get, and that's really scary. Oh wow! I don't like. I I feel like there's so many things that pop up that aren't advertised. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, wow! I didn't even know about that one. Like that's. So you make a movie. We make a movie called The Jack Story. And it's about your life. The good part. <laughs> you went to jail when, when before after you got out and stuff like that. No. So, uh, but we might write in a part where you do. Um, but anyhow, so if we make that movie and it costs, you know, it will cost, say, we'll make it small. We'll make it $5 million. Yep. Then to make it a hit, to get it out there, the we call it P&A, which is the other side, which is the post, um, the post uh, production budget. And the yep. P&A is prints and advertising, right? Is one and a half times the amount of the movie. So we made it for five and we need seven to get it out there to make it a hit. And if you want to get an Academy Award, you have to put in for each Academy Award pretty much a million dollars. So Ooh. you need a studio to back that. That's yeah. so crazy. Well, That's to so get crazy. above, and it's it's always been thus, you know. I mean, back in the day, independent filmmakers had little or no chance. I, I won Sundance. The, the, I won the USA Film Festival with a film I wrote called Loose Ends. Yep. A great film. Uh, black and white, two meatball mechanics, you know, in 1976 when I was like, I don't know, I was like, a, I was a kid, you know. We, yeah. didn't, we didn't know anything. And then, <laughs> Ten years later, we won um, the grand prize at Sundance for a film I did called Patty Rocks, and that yes. time, and it got picked up by a distributor, um, and it was distributed all over the world, and then and made a lot of money, and that was really good. And no, was- yeah, that's that's so cool. I know. I saw that you did. You wrote you wrote Patty Rocks. Yeah, you were the screenwriter. Um, but but I, I did. I, it was a collaboration. I didn't write it alone. 
Oh, okay. My, my late wife, Karen Landry, who was a wonderful musician, played um, an actress, played the title role of, uh, of Patty Rocks. Yes, played, yes. Played I think Patty. I did. Yeah, I did see that. That's awesome. Did yeah. you work a lot with your late wife? Um, let me see. Yes, I did. I did <laughs> a, a couple of New York. We did a couple of plays that originated in uh, a great theater in Minneapolis called The Mixed Blood. Uh, we would do um, New American plays. Um, That's cool. And um, we did a uh, an anti-Iraq war play called uh, Flags okay. and took it to New York and played off Broadway and had a nice success. And then a couple of years later, we brought a play called Pure Confidence, which is written by a, a Carlisle Brown, who was an African-American scholar. And it was about the cost of slavery. It's huh. about horse racing. So I played the colonel, of course, and my wife played Maddie and um, and um, Gavin Lawrence, this wonderful African-American actor, uh, played my jockey for my horses. And he was like the LeBron James of horse racing. He, oh. no one could beat him and he made all this money. And then I held on to the money because he was a slave and hence right. back and forth. It's a beautiful play. And uh, those are two of the big successes. So we had two really big New York successes and then, uh, and then, uh, of course, Patty Rocks. But she went on to uh, work in Minnesota at the repertory theaters there and uh, did a movie about um, about autism called Vestibular Sense. Oh, okay. Uh, which well, won Play of the Year that year. Wow. The American wow. Play of the Year. But we, no, did we, you? I think we did some episodic TV. And mm -hmm. then, she, of course, she came on Any Day Now and, uh, mm -hmm. and on a a really funny series I did called uh, called Bakersfield PD, where I, I was it was a half hour sitcom on uh, on Fox. I was this super aggressive young cop, and she played my wife, was trying to contend with me. <laughs> That's fun. I know. I don't even remember that show. Oh, you said that was on Fox. Yeah. Wow. I was with uh, uh, Brian Doyle Murray was in that show. Okay. Shack, and he also wrote. Groundhog Day, and also he worked. He worked as a writer on um, um, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Ghostbusters. That's awesome. With Harold That's Reynolds. really cool. So, um, who else was on that show? And John Carlo Esposito, who's a wonderful actor. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've wow. been around, Jax. Woo. Oh. <laughs> That's really awesome. Um, so, what you know? What really, what made you want to be an actor? What, what started the, what got the ball rolling on that? What made me be an actor is George Finley, my good friend. We were athletes together in high school and then in college. Um, and we were talking one day and I said, I need an elective, a non-major class, you know, to fill the electives. And he said, well, well, why don't you take acting? And I said, well, you know, we could, I could take ballroom dancing. I'm a good dancer, but I, that's kind of weird. In basket weaving. He said, take acting. You like movies. You like TV. And I said, I, I think it's probably be weird, wouldn't it? I don't know, acting really. And uh, he said, just take it. So I took it. And um, I had a wonderful teacher who was uh, uh, Linda Jenkins, who went on to be a, a doctor. She wanted, got her doctorate at uh, Northwestern. And uh, she was my teacher. And uh, she was the greatest. And she was my acting teacher that encouraged me the most. And then I put her in a movie, Loose Ends. <laughs> That's like awesome. 
That's like a little full circle right there. Yeah, that's yeah, really she's cool. A great, great supporter. But I and her husband John Jenkins, um, who was, um, and I met him too so early on, and he's a wonderful actor. And he went on to do a lot of stuff, and then he, um, then he became a teacher at DePaul University. And, uh, but he, he's a wonderful actor, and I, I just I think I just copy him. <laughs> but we were we were getting ready to do loose ends. And we were in a repertory theater company together, John and Linda and myself, mm-hmm. in, in Minneapolis. And we got the money. So we got the money to do loose ends. Um, and um, John said, um, we're stage actors, Chris. This is the first movie we've ever done. What, what do you think? Uh, how, how do we do it? I mean, how do you act? How do, I said, yeah. Well, I said, John, just act like it's really happening. And there you go. And that's it. That's awesome. That's, that's really cool, though. Just kind of like I needed to. Like it's really happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's just funny. Like I need to take a class. Like, I don't know. I'll just, I guess I'll act. And then you ended up really enjoying it. That's. Yeah. What happened was that I took the first class and then the next, the advanced acting class or intermediate, I know they were writing a play and they were doing improvs and I'm, I'm pretty witty and funny. Sometimes, you know, <laughs> and um, and so um, I joined that, and I, I thought up some funny stuff, and so I was a writer on that play, mm-hmm. and then it was a rock musical. We had a rock band, and we sang, and then we did skits. It was kind of it was cool. It was and it was it was politically oriented. Sure. And, um, and we did it at the University of Minnesota, and it became popular. And then we moved it to Cafe La Mama. And um, off off Broadway, down in uh-huh. you know, down in you know down off um, I don't know, but in the Alphabet City down there, you know downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a really nice, really nice hit with that in New York. And uh, so uh, you know that was sort of like you know incentive to well, I guess you can do this. You can write and make stuff up, and then you can go do it. And of course, there were other times where. Things were not as fun, you know. We love you. We love you. We want you in this. We want. Uh, we're not going to hire you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, you don't. You're you're a lucky penny. We're we're going to base this whole thing. Oh, we're going to go with Bob. Hey, can I talk to you later? <laughs> no, sir. No, I I can only imagine. Like the other night, I was actually talking to Danielle Harris, and she mentioned um, the whole Neve or Nev Campbell issue with her not coming back to screen because of pay. And she was talking about when you're like a, a regular character on a show compared to like a guest character, your pay is different. And she was like, I came on as one and then got paid as another because somebody else said yes after I did. And they were, you know, more important. And she was kind of like, but I but I was there just as much. And she's like, and that's where it's it's hard, you know, when your worth is there and they just don't see it. You know what I mean? And they just see you as you don't have that much screen time. You're not getting what, you know, you're not getting the million dollars because you're only going to be here for three days or whatever. You know what I mean? Whatever they're saying no to, you know. But- I say acting is kind of like playing in the NFL. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, it's that, oh, you know, we're going to, no, we're going to cancel. You're being traded, you know. Out of nowhere, you're like, oh, I'm not on the team anymore. Okay. No, you're, you're cut. <laughs> you're going to Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland's yeah. great, but. Yeah, right. You're like, oh, man, like, no, but I can only imagine the, you know, the 
the, you know, the, the struggle sometimes that some of you face or all of you face, I'm sure on some level, you know what I mean? Whether it's stuff being taken away or downgraded or not as promised, you know, I can only imagine, you know, what happens behind the scenes, you know, before we get the product, you know what I mean? To get there. I think you just have to, you know, stay, keep a healthy attitude, yep. keep your mind on the work and then yep. whatever happens, you know, don't dwell on the past. Don't rely on the future. Yep. Stay in the present. Right. Right. That's what so what, yeah, no, that, no, that's definitely advice mm -hmm. that everybody should, should take on and really adhere to for sure. But you know, what, what draws you into the roles that, you know, you, you do end up accepting? Three things. What is the role in the story? Yeah. Primarily. How much money am I getting? Yeah. And where is it? <laughs> sure. So, in movies. Yeah. So, um, it's a great role. Um, it may not be great money, but we're doing it in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great role. It's great money. And we're shooting it in Malta. By, Cis by Sicily. Right, right. And I went, yeah. <laughs> Captain Phillips. Well, yeah. Well, some, yeah, I'm sure some roles. You know what I mean? Malta is like this dreamy island just south of Sicily where the Knights of the Templar were uh, gathered and where they gathered to launch the Crusades into Palestine. Yeah. Um, I bet that was beautiful. We were there for, we were on that island for two months and then we went to England and um, then they went to Morocco and then Norfolk, Virginia. So I had a four month contract on it. You know, it was great. That's awesome. And Tom Hanks was brilliant in the movie as were, you know, um, Picard and uh, Faisal and all the Somali actors. Yeah. Who I knew from Minnesota coincidentally. Oh really? Yeah. They Small came to world. see me. Well, they came oh. to see me. Mixed blood is in the Somali community. Oh, okay. And, and it was the Somali community came along. It was mixed blood was always, always there and the, the neighborhood changed. And, and so they came to see me in pure confidence about the, the, the cost of slavery. And then afterwards, coincidentally, they just stuck around and, and said um, what they thought about the play. And they were very nice, very complimentary. And it was like, I got them from hello. They're good guys, you know? And so fast forward eight years. Oh, okay. And I'm in I'm in Malta and I, I went, where are the Somali pirates? And he said, Well, those the gentlemen down Nick said, the gentlemen down there, but we're keeping them separate from you. The, the director doesn't want you to um or any actors to to meet them because he thinks it'll be more intimidating if they're if they're strange to you. And sure. so I yelled down the dock, I went, Hey, what's up, Somali pirates? And they went, they turned around, they went, Monkey, is that you? And, and Nick, the AD, went, How in bloody hell do they know you? And they came running, and we're all like high fiving. And, and, uh, and, uh, and Bukhard said, We're Vikings fans. Both of we all love the Vikings. We're from Minnesota. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's so cool. Now, was that, did you find it hard to, to feel intimidated, you know what I mean? Like, did you, did you find that that, yeah? 
Well, you know, Lawrence Olivia said that Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman was saying, I'm having such a, a hard time getting into this role. And, and Lawrence Olivier, the famous English actor, said, simply act, my boy. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I can, you know, I feel like I'm not an actor, so I'd probably be laughing. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> I can't hold it together. So. <laughs> you know, how do you play baseball? Just hit the ball. Just, right. just catch the ball. Catch the ball. Don't think right. about it. Just, you know, if it comes to you, catch it. And right. then throw it back. Throw it back. Um, no, that's definitely. an oversimplification. Now, do you have a favorite or some favorite characters that you've played that you really enjoyed the role? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is really way out in left field. Sure. But I, I did a movie called DOA, Dead on Arrival. Yeah. You can look it up. But I really dug that character. He was cool. But I okay. also liked, I also liked Hank from uh, from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, and I, I liked my my role in Patty Rocks. Of course, I was the I was the, the lover to Patty, and that was really great. Yeah. Um, I, I liked I liked Collier from uh, from Any Day Now. Um, yep. And uh, what what else? And, and I also liked playing the plaintiff on the basis of sex. Oh, oh okay. Oh, big news, big news. Da, 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 da. So yeah. in October, I have a Western coming out that's that's set in the 1880s, and it's with a bunch of indigenous actors, Cree and, and uh, Ogallala Sioux. Oh, wow. And it's set in 1887. Oh. And I play a rancher who's... Ranch is raided by a, a bunch of former Confederate soldiers, and they kidnap my indigenous wife and my daughter-in-law and murder my younger son. Oh, wow. And so my older son, Brandon Rowe, who plays Superman. Yeah, yeah. He and I go after the bad guys. Oh, and we pick up along the way um, a wonderful actor called Mole Brings Plenty, who was part of the cast of uh, Yellowstone. Oh, okay, so yep. Three of us go track those guys down and try to get the women back. The movie is called The Redeemer. And okay. The, and the trailer is on YouTube, but it's it's an ass-kicking movie. And we have, who else is in that? Um, Dana Sparks, who was, uh, was a wonderful actress who was, you know, was on, on JAG and uh, you know, all kinds of stuff. And, and awesome. Now, where was that filmed? Uh, we filmed that in Livingston, Montana, in Paradise oh. Valley. Ooh. Just as winter was setting in. Oh, wow. We went from early November to just before Christmas. And it is absolutely beautiful. He had great horses. Um, wow. Our gun guys, um, uh, Mark Carlton from Chicago was our gun guy who I did another movie with guns on. Everything was safe. All our stunts were safe. Our horses awesome. were great. It was colder than a well digger's ass. And we went home for Christmas. That's awesome! Wow, Monta I've been to I've been to Wyoming, which is not the same, but it's still like beautiful, open. You know what I mean? It's so it's so different out there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. it, and it's just beautiful. And I can't imagine like filming and being there. You know what I mean? Like, for how long did how long were you there for? We were there five weeks. Five weeks. Okay. Yeah. Like that's a that's a nice time to like get comfortable. You know what I mean? It was great. People out there were great. Montana. I. I've done a couple movies in Montana, so um, it was great to be back there, and I feel that's good. 
it's the eighth i think it's the eighth western i've done um i did one with uh, a miniseries with robert duvall called a broken trail yeah and i was in that movie i was the bad guy <laughs> it was uh I was Ed Bywaters, big ears Bywaters. I had my ears round like that. Big ears. And I stole the women. And I stole the women. Now, do you like do you like being the bad guy a lot, or do you not care as long as the role is like you know well written? Bad guys are fun. Sure. You know, I don't care. You know, it's yeah. You know, yeah. You know, you know, it's whatever. You know. Now, do you have, like, any techniques when you're developing your characters? Like, not that you have to share, like, inside secrets, but, like, do you have ways of going through and, you know, do you have to talk with the directors, or is it really you? I, I'm really careful of what socks I wear. Sure. <laughs> sure. Sure. No. <laughs> no, how, how does the role, you know... Um, relate to my personal experience, uh, my personal dislikes or likes. Sure. Um, I had a great teacher, Roy London, who taught everyone in Hollywood in the, in the, uh, in the eighties. And Roy, um, said, no matter what your guy is doing, try to find the positive in that so that it resides in his thing. You know, I don't want to do this to you, Jack, but I think if this is, this is for your own good, but I have to kill you. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, we didn't, you don't have to like get into like, you know, I just don't know. Cause like, like, are there certain, like people love to like method act, you know what I mean? And they get like into character or you, do you do anything like that sometimes? Yeah. So, I mean, like that's, I feel like that can be draining depending on, you know, which way the character is, you know, but that's really interesting. You know, that's, that's a fun fact to know. Yeah. It's a, it's all psychological based. So it's a, sure. It's, I don't talk too much about it. That's all you're going to get with me. No, no, no. That's subject. That's it. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> no, no, no. That's mom. No, I totally, res no, I completely respect that. I didn't want to pry. Yeah. Um, don't bring it, and don't bring it up again then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. Um, if you weren't an actor, what do you think you would be doing right now? I just thought about being a doctor. Yeah? Yeah. Except I'm not sure I would have made it through medical school. <laughs> did you say pancreas or did you say prostate? <laughs> because like, I'm dyslexic and I don't. Oh, no, we took out the pancreas. <laughs> um, <clears throat> left foot, right foot. But that's, I mean... Um, It'd be good to be a doctor. What else? What else would I be? I'd, ooh, I would love to be a play-by-play -play announcer for basketball, baseball. baseball. I like baseball because it's more relaxed. You know? Right. You, know? you don't have to get that hyped up for stuff. <laughs> yeah. Boston is ahead. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely have our dynasties out here. It's been a big evening. I know. I, I still can't believe... That they won that game. I still can't believe that that happened. Yeah, I know. It's wild. <laughs> Here we go. Well, they're really good. I, I followed those guys this year. And, uh, yeah. I know. I, I feel like... I like the guys on that team. Yeah. yeah. I think this was almost kind of like when um, we won, I think, in 2008. I think it was that summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
I feel like this is kind of feeling like that. You know what I mean? Where we had like a decent year, but then we just railed and rallied at the end and really like killed it and won. You know what I mean? And that was totally not, I don't think anybody predicted that, you know, for that season. Not really bad. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, that happens. Were you like, I think you were, something stuck in my head. I think you were seven wins and 20 losses. I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) I'm not not like super into basketball, but that year, because I I graduated college and I remember my friends, like my parents were like never home that summer for whatever reason. But my, you know, I definitely had like people over a lot and everybody was talking about basketball and we'd watch it, you know, while we were drinking or something. So like, I just was a little more immersed in it, but it's just funny that now this year too, like we have a friend that comes over that like wants to have the game on if it's on, which is fine. It's just, I don't love basketball. I'm a hockey. I like hockey. So. Well, I like hockey. I like to be there. I went to Bruin stadium in Boston, the, the old one. The original garden. Yeah. 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 Original garden. I, have, I have a big panoramic picture in my office of the original garden that my dad uh, gave to me that he had had forever, but I know it's crazy that it's still called the garden. I'm like, just call it the fleet center. Like just call it the fleet center. Yeah. The, and then also uh, when I was, I was doing a job in Montreal, I got tickets and I went to, uh, to the Canadians in, in the old, uh, the old Canadian forum up in uh, Montreal. Oh, that and was then, probably awesome. And then uh, a few years later, they, they tore it down and um, I went to the new one and it was, was very nice but it's like whatever but it was good to see live hockey and but coincidentally not to talk about stadiums but uh, minnesota has a great hockey tradition and when i was back home um the uh the new hockey stadium that they built in st paul is a direct copy i swear of the one that's in montreal right now and uh, but a whole bunch of people who uh, came from the Montreal franchise, came to the Minnesota Wild, and so they influenced all of that. But they did it right. It's very nice. Yeah. So I'd be yeah, I'd be an announcer. Hockey, sure. Um, yeah. Let me see. Probably not UFC. I. It, well, was I, there anything that you were thinking about before you were taking, like, you took that acting class? Like, were you on a different road? You know what I mean? Like, were you thinking about something else? Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um, I wanted to be. Uh, go as far as I could with collegiate wrestling and be a wrestling coach in high school or college and teach and or uh, history. Cause I like history. I like, sure. You know, that's cool. And so that was really, that was really, uh, that's all I thought was going to happen. I thought I was going right. to be a teacher. I mean, I, I teach acting. I taught at UCLA for a few years and, uh, and I, um, you know, I teach at the Ruskin theater in Santa Monica oh. when I'm not working. So uh, you know, that's great. So it's kind of cool that way. Yeah. The funny thing about UCLA, they had a, the, the adult extension, and they wanted professionals to come and teach. I said, great, I'll come and teach. I'm a professional actor. Well, great. Yeah, you've done a whole bunch of moves. This would be great. So I'm teaching acting. And then um, and then I go along, and there wasn't any conflict. Somehow I was able to get through the semesters. And it, if I was shooting something, I was able to. I, I think once or twice I had a couple I have. Um, maybe my late wife or someone else would come in and teach my class. Right. And then the next year um, I got a movie and then I was, I was gone for, I was gone for a month, you know, and then this guy 
the guy calls me and said, so I said, so at the end of the year, I said, so, so are you going to be back? And he said, no, 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 you're, you, you work too much. You know, I said, well, you wanted professional actors for crying out loud, you know? And he said, yeah, but to, that, that's too much. You miss too many. I said, but I had really great people fill in. Did yeah. you read the reviews or anything like that? Because they write, you know, how would you like people? It's okay. That's weird. Yeah, that's. You're too good. You know, it's like, yeah, no, you're too good. <laughs> Acting, you're too tall. You're too white. You're too black. You're too, yeah. um, you're too short. You're too tall. You're too heavy. You're not heavy enough. You're yeah. not old enough. You're too old. I know. I feel like that's that's one of the hard things about when you're excited to do something or you really think that you're going to fit it and then you hear something like that and you're like, and then you find out who's actually doing it and you're like, yeah, I don't know, like not to toot my own horn, but maybe I would have done it better or different mm-hmm. or, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's, it's interesting hearing about like roles that could have been somebody else you know, yeah. nowadays, and you're like, wait, whoa, I don't know if I could have imagined somebody else, but maybe it would have been amazing. You know, like Heath Ledger as the Joker, I don't think anybody thought that that was going to be good when they heard that he was going to be the Joker. You know what I mean? But actors, that's what you guys do. Yeah. You know what I mean? You surprise us all, you dig deep, and you produce these characters that are completely memorable and worthy of praise <laughs> yeah yeah i did a, i did a movie with that um when i was younger at universal uh, called um, um was it all night long mm-hmm. directed by a wonderful um, uh, french director jean-claude trimont and gene hackman uh, the academy award winner who starred in it and dennis quaid was in it with, with myself and lisa eichhorn kind of a newcomer of you know was played the love interest and it was her shot right and yep. then we were like two weeks into the shooting of it and all of a sudden i come to work and where's lisa oh she's gone well, what happened well they they got a, a opportunity to replace her with barbara streisand oh and no so barbara streisand came in and we reshot the scenes and Lisa was gone and it was Lisa's shot and it went to Barbara. Oh, wow. She was great. Barbara was great. No, right. But you're like, we just worked with this other, you know, this other actress. That's, yeah. That's the first time I'd ever seen that happen, you know? Oh, okay. And so that I felt, I felt bad for her and I bonded determined not to let that happen to me. So it's good. Yeah. That's, that's crazy though. Yeah. I feel like that, that was like back to the future. With um, Eric, uh, I can't think of his last name. Eric Stoltz? Yes. Eric Stoltz was supposed to be Marty McFly, but he was such a serious actor. Yeah. And they were like, you know, Zemeckis was like, it's just not, it's not, it's too much. You know what I mean? It's not that he's a bad actor. He's a great Mm -hmm. actor. You know what I mean? But they really had a different, you know, and I think they were really, really rooting for Michael J. Fox. But because he was still doing Family Ties... Like, I think he admitted in his book, he doesn't even remember, like, doing the show the show or the movie sometimes because the schedule, you yeah, know. Michael J. Fox is wonderful. We were doing, did, we did uh, Rambo First Blood, and when I got up to uh, to Canada to shoot it, um, I got out of the van that had picked me up 
from the airport and taking me to the small town, Hope, uh, British Columbia, where we shot a bunch of the stuff up in the forest. And um, Brian Dennehy played mm. the, the, the sheriff, and I, I played Deputy Ward. Yeah. David Caruso's in the movie. And they're there, and I'm going, I say, hey, good to see you guys. He said, did you see Kurt Douglas? And I went, Kurt Douglas? Is he in this movie? He said, not anymore. I said, we haven't even started. Well, Kurt Douglas arrived here today, yeah, and he got in an argument with the producers about how they had rewritten the script oh. and threw the, threw the, and said, I'm not doing this because they had rewritten it all from the, the standpoint of Rambo. And orig originally the book was all, <coughs> excuse me, was the, in the voice of the, the Colonel, Colonel Kurtz. Sure. Kurtz, whatever his name was. And, um, and he didn't like it. So he said, uh, um, you change it, I'm out of here. And they said, you're out of here. And they left. And I thought, oh, no, I'm on this big movie now. And it's going to fall apart. Oh, my God. Sure. Usually that's what happens. Because he's one of the names, you know, up there. And because it was Sylvester Stallone. And then, you know, cool. And so they got um, Richard Crenna. Yep. To come in and play the colonel. And he was brilliant and a great guy. And not yeah. that, not that, um, that you know, the guy wasn't, but anyhow, Kurt, Kurt's a wonderful actor. And I hadn't, yeah, I didn't even know that. That's, yeah. that's crazy. That's a crazy, but that's I mean, if the script, scoop. well, was that, so was that his role that changed so much or was it the whole story that he was angry about? He, Kurt Douglas was angry that the film wasn't centered on his character and gotcha. not centered on. Slide. something else so was his role smaller so his it was yeah yes it was smaller yeah yeah i mean <laughs> i guess that does happen you know you have disagreements and you don't see what the director and the producers are you know really trying to go go about doing you know now are there any other like you know funny stories from a set that you want to share or can share um with anybody with us? Hmm. Well, hmm. <laughs> no, I can't do that one. It doesn't have to be like this is a mature station, so if it's you know if you have to swear and stuff, it's not a problem. <laughs> no. Well, there there is a there is a good one. I, I mentioned Time Rider, the Western. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we were shooting in New Mexico, and. Um, I had a car and I drove to the set outside of Santa Fe and it was in this canyon with these bluffs. And then down in the, in the gully, they had put um, stuck logs as a fort for the outlaws. Right. Sure. And, um, and when I got there, um, it was just dry, but I had heard on the radio that there were going to be flash floods in the area. Look out, be careful. And we were in, we were in a dry creek bed, you know, right down in it. And I just, I kind of logged that. And, and as I was parking the car, I heard boom, you know, and New Mexico is for its storms are, is just fantastic. And I'm going, wow, I guess we'll see some really cool lightning tonight. <laughs> and then, and just, you know, flash floods, whatever. Yeah, probably not. So then um, I got my costume and I'm, I got my gun on and I'm, and Peter Coyote, the wonderful actor who played the villain in that thing, he and I are standing at the gate of the fort, deep in mm -hmm. the canyon. 
Okay. And, and then there's horses around. People are setting up the camera. The camera's there. The lights are all up. And and um, and we're hearing boom like that. And I'm going, what? Peter, boy, the storm seemed close. And he said, yeah. He said, I heard about flash floods. He says, you did. And honestly, Jax, I looked down and a rivulet of water ran right between Peter and I. And I looked up back up at him and it was this big. And by the time I looked back up at him, it was this big. And I said, I think something's coming. He says, yeah, I think it is. And we, I yelled to the assistant director. I said, call up on top and, and see what's going. Because and, and the guy came back on the radio. Everybody get out of there. There's a wall of about 10 feet of water slamming down the canyon at it. And all of us scrambled up the sides of the canyon. Guys, I took my horse by the range, you know, and I'm scrambling up the canyon. And we got yeah. up to the top and it wasn't but 30 seconds because we busted butt up there. And that thing came through there, took out all the lights, the generator, the camera. Um, oh, no buildings and took the took the the fortress flattened that down and and we had a water truck you know like a semi trailer you know semi truck that has water in it yeah yeah parked there because it was dusty and we'd sprinkle that yeah next morning we went into the canyon it was like none of that was even there was all buried in silt and that truck was buried up to its windshield so all you saw was the windshield and the top of the tank, and the rest of it was buried in silt. Oh, my gosh. So that was not a funny story, but it was really good that Peter... No, that's a good story. I mean, that's crazy. It's good that I wasn't over at craft service getting, like, a cup of coffee and a donut before we started work, you know, that I was yeah. with Peter. So Man. Yeah, that, was, that was a big deal. So Peter and I were the, uh, Peter and I were the canaries in the coal mine. <laughs> seriously that's crazy that's scary i mean whether we were were down for i think three days well yeah well they sent a new camera package and lighting package out to santa fe damn so yeah it was only one camera that was destroyed though I think so i i'm assuming so you know Yeah, yeah yeah well that's i can't imagine what the expense on that is because movie cameras i can't imagine are like a thousand dollars you know what i mean like they're definitely like tens or yeah like way more way more with all the lenses and everything that you know maybe thirty thousand dollars yeah well and even everything is insured right thankfully right right thankfully but still the inconvenience of you know everybody's time and thankfully it was only you said it was only a few days that you were down so we're doing first blood. So you have stories. <laughs> first blood. We all had, we had all had, you know, um, M60 machine gun. We had an M60 machine gun. I shot in that. We all yeah. had, also had 45s and we also had um, M16s, not AR15s because they hadn't right. come along yet. So we all had automatic weapons. And um, I came to work um, one day and after the weekend, Monday morning, we got to the set and they said, well, you might as well go home. I said, what? He said, well, someone broke into, we had a big shipping container with locks that was being guarded by <coughs> the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Oh, yeah. Somehow, somebody slipped by the Royal Canadian Mounted Police guard, broke into the shipping container and took 
all the weapons, maybe 20 automatic uh, machine guns, um, another, another 20 sidearms, um, and M60 machine guns, all that stuff was gone. Gone. So we had to send back to Hollywood to get more guns. Right. And of course, but that's not a problem. In America, sure, we got to. Right. So right. We, so a couple of days and they were back up. So we finished the movie. Then about three years later, we heard that there was an arrest in Vancouver and the five Royal Canadian Mounted Police were traced to have stolen all those weapons because they sold them to the IRA in, in Ireland. And in a shootout with the, with the Irish police, the, the police captured some of the weapons and traced the serial numbers back to our show. <gasps> and so then the guy said, where'd you get them? Where we got them? We got them from the British, from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. <laughs> you know, but it was oh, the leprechauns that did it. You know. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, yeah. I mean, I but the got- fact that it was like in Ireland after, you know what I mean? Like, it's not even that it stayed in Canada. They sold, like, that's scary. Yeah. So, I mean, so those were real active weapons. They weren't like stunt guns. Wow. So like that's even scarier, but obviously you guys were safe, but still like those, like that's crazy. Oh yeah, my gosh. Those are my stories. That's crazy. Thank you for sharing those. That's mm-hmm. yeah. I don't think I ever knew that that happened on, on that, on the, that was on Rambo. Like that's mm-hmm. man. So that was filmed in Canada. You were saying Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, great. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's outside of Vancouver. Yeah. So those are my stories. <laughs> no, no, no. That's awesome. Um, now, do you have a role that was really challenging for you to, you know, to, to either perform or to really like dig down to, to, you know, to get the, the real aspect of them? Um, well, you know, you're always, when you're acting, you always think, ah, man, I don't know if I can do this. Is this going to be a cakewalk? And if it is a cakewalk, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But, um. I did an Irish play um, here in town uh, called uh, um, called Leaving Home, and um, I'm of Irish descent, and so um, <laughs> it was great to uh, work in the accent, and uh, and it was a really wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ride. And you know, we did that in the theater. You know, I come from the theater, so I like that. And, yeah. But we had, we had a real nice success with that uh, Leaving Home. Yeah. It's about a, a first generation, well, a, a couple who immigrants immigrates to uh, to the United States, and they have two sons, <coughs> two sons who are first generation American Irish, and, uh, mm-hmm. and they don't respect the hard times that the mother and father went through in mm-hmm. Northern Ireland back in the oh. day, and then how dangerous it was, and so it's a learning curve for everyone. Uh, oh, okay. No, a, sure that yeah. And so that, that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And then, but That's also, great. you know, just going to, um, doing Captain Phillips. I mean, going, we were on a real ship in the yeah. real ocean uh, mm. off the coast of Libya uh, for two months, you know. So. Yeah, that that must have been, that. yeah, mm. that must be challenging. I can't even imagine because I, I like boats, but 
to be out in maybe some rough waters. You know what I mean? It might not have, it was probably not calm the whole time. You know what I mean? So it's just. No, but this is a ship. It's not a, I, I used to go on board and I'd say, Courage, who was the, who was the first engineer. I worked, Mike, my guy was an engineer. I worked in the engine room mm-hmm. and I, I'd come on board and I'd say to the real engineer of the real uh, ship, I'd go, yeah. Kurt, how's the boat today? And Kurt was from Denmark and he goes, Chris, this is not boat. This is ship. Where is sweaty man with oars? No, this is ship, not boat. <laughs> Where is sweaty man with oars? That's funny. That's he's right. I guess he's right. Ships definitely ship? have way more of a you know yeah. steady keel. I guess you don't really feel anything, but that's good. If, Was if the weather feeling, pretty? If you feel that, if you feel that ship move jumping around on you, you're in deep. There was uh, <laughs> it was what 600, 600, 600 feet long. Oh, was it? Oh, see, I'm I that. I don't remember how big that boat was, but that's, or ship, excuse me. How big ship. That ship where is with the men with oars, Jack? Where, where no, no, is? there was none. None of you were sweaty, sweaty men. I was sweaty. I was sweaty. <laughs> well, you didn't have oars though. You didn't have no, oars. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. I'm excited that you have some upcoming projects that we're going to all have to definitely be on the lookout for. Yeah. I'm really so. excited. So you have, a, it's a, there was a movie and a show. Uh, there's a well. I'm going to, I'm going to do a couple shows. A theater in uh, Duluth. I'm going to do a show, and then oh, I'm, I'm going to play in Raleigh, North Carolina, and then New Year's Eve. I'm playing outside of New Orleans for New Year's Eve with uh, awesome. Wayne Toops and Jamie Bergeron and all these Zydeco guys. Awesome. And but um, but acting wise, I have uh, I have three movies. I have the, the Redeemer coming out. Yep. And then I have a border drama called Deadland. Deadland. Really okay. We shot on the Mexican-Texas border about immigration. Oh, okay. Not a good guy. <laughs> and a thriller is coming out. I don't know when that's going to be out. Called Mother May I. Okay. Which is about uh, a woman who moves into the house of her of, uh, of her deceased mother-in-law. Yeah. That she never met. And. Oh starts wearing her clothes and takes on the personality of Ooh. the dead mother-in-law who she's never met. Interesting. That's a nice little different story. You know what I mean? So I'll definitely be, mm-hmm. I wrote, I wrote a bunch of stuff down that you had mentioned um, being in or, you know, whatever. So mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to have to check all of these out old and new, Yeah. but thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing everything. That was, I really, really appreciate it. Great talking to you. You're great. You too. You know, and you're always welcome back. So if you ever have time again, you're always welcome, especially after your projects um, have come out and we can enjoy them and then talk about them. You know what I mean? We can absolutely, you know, schedule something. But again, thank you so much. This has been really great. You know, I really appreciate it. All right. Say hi to all my friends in Boston, will you? Of course. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you. As I drive through Boston, I'll. I'll say hi to you guys. I know, right? Just wave out. Bye, Jax. Hey, yeah, Jax. Yeah. Enjoy the pizza. Goodbye. <laughs> I know, right? Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch. Rock on. Okay. Thanks. Ciao. 
All right, I thought I would do a little bit of an epilogue since I wasn't able to actually tell you guys the story of how this interview came about. So I'm at the convention. It's the first night. I had actually just finished the bloody photo shoot with Scout and Danielle, which was hilarious, which is another story that you will hear about. And I'm sitting in the VIP lounge area, which was like some food and some drinks and things like that, like nothing fancy. But I didn't realize that the guest celebrities would also be like coming in and out of there. So Chris Mulkey like walks in and I'm like, oh my God, I know who that is. But earlier in the night, I hadn't noticed his table because I was specifically seeing a couple people that night and I had the photo op with Tom Savini and the bloody one. So he walks up to me and my friend Amber, who was the driver of the trip, and he was like, are you, are you guys actresses? And I'm looking at Amber like, um, I am definitely not an actress. And I looked at Chris and I was like, no. I'm like, we're just here to enjoy the convention, you know? And I was like, I wanted to have the VIP passes, you know, to be able to do, because I think, yeah, I just, I just wanted to do the VIP just in case of something like really cool was added because it really wasn't that much money for all three days. Anyway... Um, and he was like, oh, that's really great. And then we had, he sat, he like asked if he could sit down next to us. And I was like, yes. And he's eating his sandwich and we're talking about the food that they had and just the, the convention in general. And I mentioned that I was there because of my podcast also. And stupidly Friday, I didn't have my cards on me like an idiot. So, cause I had brought a wristlet and not my, oh no, I had used my wristlet and put the cards in there. But when I had the Michael backpack, I didn't put the cards in the... I'm an idiot. Yeah, I know, guys. I know. So anyway, I then, you know, he was like, well, I'll come on your podcast. And I was like, what? And I really didn't know if, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, you're saying this. We'll exchange emails and like, we'll see where it goes. And then he was like, I will, you know, give me your... I'll give you my phone number. I'm like, what? Really? Um, and then I, he was like, well, call me right now. I'm like, well, what? So then like, it, he like, it read, it like beeped on him and he was like, okay, I got it. And then I think I texted him, you know, like a couple days later, like just saying like, it's Jack's blah, blah, blah. And, uh, on Saturday when I went back, I definitely made sure I brought my cards <laughs> and I was sure to give him one. And then we chatted last week and I think he wanted to do it last Friday, but I was kind of like, oh my God, I want to make sure I like ask the right questions and like, you know, look stuff up about you because his film history is so vast. And as you guys heard, I admitted I'd never even seen freaking Rambo. So uh, yeah, that was really, that's really fun. But anyway, I'm, I'm forever thankful that, that he was my first celebrity interview. I, I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, hopefully again, he will come on and I can ask some more questions. I feel like the more him and I chat, the more I'll feel comfortable asking, you know, there's always that fine line of not wanting to pry and, but wanting to kind of like, you know, get to know how they are and how they work without, you know, giving away secrets or anything like that. Um, I'm very thankful that he shared those stories about the weather going crazy on set and then the Rambo story about the guns being stolen, which is one of the craziest stories I feel like I've ever heard. And yeah, it's really cool. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this. I 
you know, I'm really looking forward to sharing more about the convention in the next episode. I had actually anticipated recording the other episode before this one so that you'd hear about the convention and then you'd hear this episode. But that's okay. You're just going to get a get a little extra bonus. But there's big things coming. Um, you're going to hear it here first right now. This is the second to last episode of season two. So that means that the next episode is the last of the season, which doesn't really mean much to everybody, but it does for me. Um, it means that I really this season want to change the way that I record and I need to record ahead. You know what I mean? I, I just I need to just do it. So hopefully I can really get on top of that and have a lot ready for you guys and, you know, just have some more content, some more special guests, maybe some more celebrities. How cool would that be, guys, if I could get another celebrity next year? Oh my goodness. Or next season, excuse me, not next year. I'm not don't worry, it's not going to be another year when I come back. It's probably going to be like August or so. I don't even know. I haven't decided the date. So, it's just I'm definitely taking a little break, but I think last time I did it for like 6 or maybe 8 weeks. It it wasn't crazy. So, definitely take that time to catch up on episodes or you know, if, if you're an avid listener and you do follow me on Instagram, like I've been telling you guys to, no, I'm just kidding. But if you do follow me on Instagram, definitely, um, send me a message. If there's something you'd like to hear my opinion on, you know, if you guys do want to hear my opinion about newer movies, you know, like my next episode, you're going to hear it here first. It is going to be about X. Um, if you had been following me on Instagram, I'd already said that I was going to do an episode on it. This is definitely one of the newer movies that I've covered. Um, so quickly after it's been released, but I felt that the significance of the movie was needed to be discussed because I think the chatter in the beginning made me very nervous, but then I saw it and I was like, oh my God, people are crazy. So as we all know, people love to hate on stuff or, you know, emphasize the worst. So I feel like, you know, X may have gotten a little bit too much of that in the beginning. Although I do think that enough people do praise it, thank God, because it is worthy. But we're going to go into that next time. So just, you know, wait. There's going to be some other special things coming. If you guys really liked the Mother's Day episode, I definitely have a treat for you coming up next season. That's the other thing that I want to get pre-recorded because it's summer. Hint, hint. So, you know, um, the if you don't remember, the Mother's Day episode was kid-friendly. So keep that in mind. So anyway, anything else you guys want to hear from me, never hesitate to shoot me a message and let's have a talk. Or if you want to be a guest and you want to talk to me about something, let's let's chat about it. Have some fun things brewing already for next season. So hopefully it'll just keep, you know, keep on keeping on. <laughs> but anyway, thank you all so much for listening. I, I truly hope that you enjoyed this episode. I, I definitely had a great time chatting with him. You will definitely be hearing more stories, you know, about the convention and everything so stay tuned and as always good night kids